Hi, I'm Stephanie Trithui and welcome to Motherland Australia, a podcast celebrating and connecting rural mums across the country. Each week, I'll bring you real and raw stories of motherhood told by women on the land. It's a wild roller coaster we're all on, so no matter where you live or what you do, we're in it together and you're not alone. So, what's it like to raise kids on the land? This is Motherland. Welcome back. This week, I'm chatting with Anna Pimenta. Anna is a mum, a beef farmer, and originally from Portugal. Her love for Australia, agriculture, and one man in particular brought her all the way to King Island, part of Tasmania, a tight-knit community in the Bass Strait. This is her story. Anna, thank you so much for, for joining me and for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Deb. I guess the best place to start is to tell everyone a bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, and who's in your family. So, Steph, my name is Anna Pimenta, and uh, I am, you'll probably realise I've got a bit of an accent. So, I am actually Portuguese. I've been in Australia for 11 years. Um, and I live now on King Island, so based on King Island. For the ones that don't know, that's uh, a little island off Tasmania, just between Victoria and Tasmania. And uh, I live here with uh, my husband, Tom Perry, and my two little kids. So I've got Alice, that is seven, and Lucas is now five. So how the hell did you end up on King Island coming from Portugal? Because that is a long way from home. Yeah, a lot of people ask that question. <laughs> um, so yeah, I end up so I end up in Australia because uh, I've always wanted to come here as a five-year-old. Always loved Australia, and uh, I did a, a degree of animal production at university in Portugal. And uh, when I was twenty-five, I thought it would be a good time to visit Australia uh, for a short period. You know, gain some experience, then go back home. And that's uh, end up somehow end up on King Island, not knowing as most people not knowing where it is, <laughs> and uh, end up on King Island working on a dairy farm and met uh, my husband Tom here, and the rest is history. So then, yeah, from then onwards, uh, we build our business, and uh, yeah, eleven years later, we're still here. And tell me about your journey into motherhood, your decision to have kids. Was that an easy journey? How did that all play out for you on the island? Yeah, so I didn't have kids until I actually had Alice on my 30th birthday. <laughs> so we share birthdays. Um, um, I've always wanted to have kids and I always had, a, and Tom as well, Tom loves kids, great with kids. And um, in fact, he wants to have more and I don't. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, yeah, so we, yeah, we came um, to a time where we thought was the right time to have kids and uh yeah, I had no problems falling pregnant, so that was all really easy. Uh, the hard part came when I actually had <laughs> the baby. Um, yeah, definitely not prepared for it. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot easier. Uh, and being a 30-year-old, you know, you're just not, I mean, you're still young, but not that young. And uh, and you sort of used to having your own um, routines and, you know, and yeah, it definitely becomes really hard when someone else comes into your life that is 24-7 dependent on you. So what was it like falling pregnant and realising from a healthcare point of view you're on King Island where there's no maternal health services? So tell us about that journey and, and actually having your babies. 
Oh yeah, that was interesting. So actually, I'll tell you this is a bit funny. Um, I so I fall pregnant, and there's a nurse here. So you do see a nurse here, but then you need a do you know you either go to um, a private or a public. And this is the second time I went to a private, and uh, you know if you've got really good cheese on King Island. I've heard so about I the cheese. The, I called the doctor. Yeah, called the doctor, and he was like, "All right." Uh, so you know, I was like four thousand dollars for the doctor and um and I was like oh look I'm not going to see you that often I'm probably going to see you three times or four times can uh, if I'll bring you cheese from King Island every time I come and see you would you give me a discount oh wow where was the doctor in Melbourne in Melbourne and so this is just the second time around um but yeah so it's uh, you don't have a, a gynecologist on King Island you get you have uh, your health no nurse, and so you have to go away for checkups. So your your scans, you know, uh, and then yeah, and then you need to be booked into a hospital, and you've got no idea which hospital you know to choose from. And yeah, I remember that was a bit challenging. Uh, and then finally got one, um, uh, which was in Melbourne. Um, and then so you can't have babies on King Island unless by accident, which it has happened. <laughs> But, yeah, you're sort of forced to go away when you're about. Your first time they really recommend you go away at 36 weeks, which I did. Um, so we're lucky to have family in Melbourne and we stayed. I stayed with my sister-in-law, but uh, a lot of people here end up going to Tasmania or to Melbourne with no family and uh, end up spending, you know, I spent six weeks in Melbourne because that was in came until she was 42 weeks. And, uh, God. Yeah, it was, uh, you do get into, a, you know, running a farm. So I didn't say it, but we run a beef farm and um, it's really hard to get away. And so it was really hard for Tom, you know, to come and, um, you know, stay with me for that period. Uh, so it was just more of a come and go and, you know, and it was yeah, definitely a lot of anxiety towards the end um, when I was there for 42 weeks with no baby. Um, yeah, so... Big challenge, but that was my first one and uh, I didn't have any other kids. So, you know, it, it becomes even harder when you've got other kids, you know, mm. and you've got to look after them all away from school. How isolating was that for you and lonely sitting in Melbourne for six weeks? I mean, I know that that time of your life, most women are nesting, getting their nursery ready, kind of relaxing at home, preparing for birth. I mean, to be plucked out of, you know, off the island and stuck in Melbourne for six weeks just waiting, that must have been quite lonely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was lucky. I get along really well with my sister-in-law, Sarah. Um, and so I sort of was their house, my housewife for a while, uh, cooking for them. You know, I love cooking. So, but um, yeah, just cleaning the house for them. And but you know, you're in someone else's space for that long. You know, and they were, I was just like they were really, they're really nice and uh, welcoming and made me feel very comfortable. But um, yeah, look, I don't I didn't have my mum there with me or my dad. You know, like. Um, because my family are all in Portugal. Um, yeah, I mean, it had, I had good times, don't get me wrong, because, you know, we don't get to do, go to, the, to Melbourne that often. So I did a bit of shopping, but there's so much shopping you can do. And, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I did remember doing quite a lot of staircases to get the, but tried to get the baby out. Uh, yeah, a few star jumps in Melbourne, in the parks, and uh, as very big belly but um yeah it's uh definitely 
yeah, it was not, yeah, it was very challenging to be there for that long. And what was it like taking your baby home? Tell us about, was it an easy transition to being a mum, obviously on the island as well? No, not many services or mother's groups and, you know, those sort of um, opportunities. Yeah, no, yeah, so that was, again, really hard. So I was being on a public hospital and I, I, I don't know if I was just unlucky with the public hospital I went to, but I, I had a few issues to start with at the hospital and I'm not going to talk about them because they're quite personal, but um, definitely had a few issues at the hospital and they, they kick you out within a day. Uh, I had lost a lot of blood as well, so I was quite weak. And then, yeah, we went to um, this unit for a couple, for another day or two and uh, they didn't come and check on you at all. So they tell you to call the hospital and you do and you tell them what you're feeling and whatever, but they don't come and check on you. And then... Yeah, I flew back to the island not knowing anything but baby, I mean, you know, new mum. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to be cared for. And uh, if, coming back to the farm, obviously, Tom has to, had to go back to work. And uh, there's no other, you know, unfortunately, for farmers, we don't have the paternal or, mater, you know, or maternal leave like everyone that has a normal job does. You know, you just keep keep going going with things and uh, um, yeah so I had one nurse coming and check on me I think two weeks after I had Ellis and that was a really you know formal thing so um, I didn't know any mums here either at the time yeah and uh, I looking back I'm pretty sure I had um, uh, some kind a little bit of depression postnatal uh, depression I had retained placenta, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I had so many issues um, and uh, it was really tough and I was not, yeah, and I really don't think I had the support mm. and I really think it is important to have that support at the hospital because the second time I had with Lucas was a completely different experience. I've stayed in the hospital. Well, actually, I've stayed at the hotel because you sent to a really nice hotel in Melbourne. And I stayed there for five nights with a nurse next to you, to your bedroom, you know, not in your bedroom, but, you know, <laughs> there for you when you need it. Um, and I was so, yeah, I was so much better prepared. And, yeah, everything, yeah, was just a lot nicer. I had a lot more support. Um, yeah, but I had to pay for that. And so I really feel for people that, like myself, the first time, didn't, weren't able to afford and I think everyone should be able mm. to have the, have the right to the same support you know. Um, for everyone listening I can see Anna because we're also on, on video but I can see and sense there's still a bit of emotion and a bit of pain tied up with that time would I be right in saying that? Mm. Oh yeah definitely because I actually I really yeah I didn't connect with my daughter that well either because uh, I, I just I just at some point I wanted to give her away because I just thought I was a terrible mom and I was not connecting because I was in pain obviously and I wasn't sleeping and uh, you know uh, you know Tom couldn't be there the whole time and uh, and this went on for months you know um, yeah so I felt terrible I felt like you know and I'm, I'm really I'm, I am a high achiever and I expect a lot of myself and uh, and at the time I failed to myself and to my daughter and uh, and I thought I was failing 
and so it was just yeah it was a bit of a roller coaster really but um yeah but uh she turned up all right <laughs> so I actually feel a bit upset listening to you talk about that because I I can identify with quite a bit of what you've just said with me and my experience too so I think it's important to talk about because a lot of us have gone through some shit <laughs> oh, you just don't hear about it yeah and no you don't and at the time I was really upset because no one told me about it and so actually after I had the baby I made sure I told everyone there was having babies how hard it can be because you only told oh congratulations so good oh it's so exciting oh you must be so excited um you know oh you know wonderful and you expect to be wonderful and it's not wonderful <laughs> especially when your baby cries 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 and um yeah it's hard to settle and you know if you've got a good baby um it's okay but i think it's actually a bit of a you say you've got a good baby or a bad baby but i think they pick up a lot on mm how you're feeling and um yeah and i've looking back i think she was very unsettled mm. because i was unsettled you know yeah and your second pregnancy i think it was was a bit of drama in terms of early labor and again being on an island you've not got the luxury of being within an hour even from a hospital so tell us about that experience yeah with uh lucas i um you know I, you all know what braxton hicks are because you're all being pregnant probably <laughs> you're listening to this so i had a lot of braxton hicks my uterus is just insane just, <laughs> you know it just uh, goes on and on and on and i had the same with Alice. but with lucas I, there was a night where i woke up in a lot of pain and um, it felt like contractions and i went to hospital and they weren't stopping they were very close and so they this was 35 weeks so they here they don't take any chances so they all gave me they gave me an injection to try to stop them and um and another one to mature the lungs you know which i was really unsure about it <laughs> but anyway i had it uh and then went to bernie so it was flown out to bernie and uh, I got there and I could feel they were settling, you know, I still had them, but I've always had them, but not as strong. And, you know, I said to them, look, I've had these contractions when I had this and she wasn't born until 42 weeks. I'm a hundred, you know, I'm so confident I'm not having this baby right now. Hmm. And uh, um, can I please go back? Oh, and then, so this is a bit funny too. So I've, the night before I was talking to my mom and she's like, have you packed the bags? got to the hospital and I said no why would I pack the bags I did pack the baby bag but not my bag anyway next morning at that night I went to hospital uh and they wanted to fly me over to Bernie in Tassie and so I called Tom and said um Tom you've got to pack up pack up my bag I need pajamas you know undies and you know whatever anyway so Tom, when I got to Bernie I've opened my bag and I only had the g-string undies which I hadn't worn for like you know, so, you know, years, uh, things that would not fit me, like tight clothes, and I had nothing. So I had nothing. Oh, God. No, I can't. <laughs> and then, and so they wouldn't get, and they wouldn't allow me back on King Island. So I would never could see my wardrobe again until I had this baby. And uh, uh, anyway, and I said, I'll look at least let me go to Melbourne because I'm booked in Melbourne and I really want to have my doctor and, uh, you know, let me go to Melbourne. And they said, no, no, you've got to stay here. We can't let you fly. Oh, so anyway, I took, 
we did they did change doctors in between and the next doctor did allow me to sign something and go by myself to melbourne which i did and uh yeah and then i got back to my doctor and uh it was a lot easier because um yeah he, he said everything was okay and i you happy he was happy for me to be induced at you know from 38 weeks onwards and i chose to be induced at 39 so tom came back and yeah and all it was a lot easier when i had, was able to plan it a bit better yeah, a bit of a dramatic start to motherhood, but since then I'm sure there's been, or hopefully there's been some good times raising kids on King Island. Tell us a bit about what life's like out there and, and I guess the, the, the benefits of it, of raising kids on the land there. Yeah, well, yeah, I, we do go to the city a bit because Tom's mum and dad live in Melbourne, um, CBD. So we do get there and I just watch all everyone with their kids and, um, you know, and going to the park and you sort of, you can't relax. You've got to park and you have to be looking at them all the time to make sure, you know, they're not disappear. And here, you know, it's just so free because they, you know, there's other part, you know, they've got this outdoor area full of things they can find to play and you don't even have to, you know, you just have to have your ear, out, you know, make sure they're still making some sort of noise, which they usually are yelling and you know, screaming. Uh, but you know, they just ride their bikes and, um, you know, they just run free. Um, and uh, it's a lot easier to be honest. Um, I reckon, um, then when you leave, of course, living in a city, you've got a lot of extra curricular activities, you know, you've got the swimming and the gymnastics and, you know, music lessons and, you know, here we don't have any of that unless you're lucky enough to have someone on the island that is able to do them. But um they just learn everything about life you know just uh watching the animals mating and uh you know things that become so much easier for me to explain when they ask the question when the, where the babies come from um and they just their imaginations a lot i reckon it's a lot you know they they're more um yeah they're better making things on by themselves um yeah just um of course there's snakes and things like that to worry about but they're the only things to worry about you know <laughs> um yeah they're definitely a great place to bring up kids little kids anyway yeah it seems like a really tight-knit community too and um my next question is you know does it feel like home now and and do you ever still get lonely do you ever feel isolated out there or are you used to it by now yeah so um, yeah it was definitely a challenge for me being european from portugal we like this social yeah we're very very social and it was a very big challenge for me and actually i run farm tours on my property and that's one of the reasons i do them because i at least i can get the social fix mm. um and um and uh, so it wasn't until alice was one that uh, i met this girl um she's not here anymore but uh she was here for a really long time and she's from England, uh, Claire, and uh, she had the same, another girl the same age and, uh, yeah, we started going out, you know, doing play dates and, yeah, getting to know each other. And then later on, like probably another year later, another couple of girls moved in uh, with their partners and um, uh, obviously having kids is a really good way to know people because you've got some that have kids because you've got that in common and because they came from away as well so in the, 
there was Australians, but in the same situation as me. So not not many or no family here, or not many, mm. fa not much, or you know, just a, a few members of the family, but not knowing anyone. Um, and we we sort of live close together in King Allen standards, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, we really help each other these days. So we either swap the kids, or you know, if I need anything they're here in a minute you know and um, the other thing that is being really good uh, living you know in a place like this people hate Facebook but uh, um, we when used in a good way it's really useful so we got a messenger a group page or you could do a whatsapp as well but we've got a messenger one just for the four of us um, and we're just communicating throughout the day the whole time you know mm. And uh, and that really takes the edge of you know isolation. Mm. So yeah, you just never feel alone because it, you know there's someone always someone there for you. Um, yeah, so definitely find I found some strategies around that, um, and also got used to being alone a lot more than I was used to. So yeah. So what's what's your next challenge or next chapter in in motherhood and your journey? Um. So as I said, Tom wants to have more kids. I don't, and I haven't changed my mind. I'm not <laughs> saying I would it. Yeah, so I haven't made any dramatic decisions such as, uh, you know, um, yeah, so I've, we can still have kids, um, but I'm not planning to. Tom is. I'm not. So. Well, that's awkward. <laughs> um, so our plans are a bit different. Uh, but obviously a career for me has always been important, not just a career, but, no, it's actually not career. It's actually a personal fulfill, fulfillment that you're doing something either for your community, for yourself, or, you know, just keep. I think it's important for me. I like my kids to look at me, you know, as um, as uh, a successful person, and that can mean several things. But uh, so I am involved in a lot of committees, and um, so Tom sort of takes on takes the kids you know stays with the kids a lot while I go out and do my own thing um and for me that's the plan at the moment so um you know just taking a break from raising little kids because they had work to now you know they're a bit easier these days and so just catching up with things that I wasn't able to um yeah and of course um and the kids are a lot of fun now I mean they're seven and five so we can always, it's still a bit of a challenge sometimes, but they're a lot more fun now, a lot easier. Mm. Um, you know, they just look after themselves a lot. We like to do, you know, obviously I'll go and visit my family. So we always have a, a trip away visiting other countries. And um, so, yeah, definitely expose them to things that uh, they can't have access to on King Island yeah. and other cultures and um, so that's really important to us to actually get them out there. Um, and, uh, of course, in a few years' time, we'll have to worry about um, school and, you know, because we'll have to leave the island, boarding school. Um, yeah, so there's a few discussions going on at the moment about that, uh, which school, where to, you know. So, so they, they, is there the just plans. a local primary school on, on the island, no high school or...? No, we we actually have high school, uh, and just uh, of this year, they can actually do year eleven and twelve, 
But Tom, so Tom grew up here, my husband, he grew up on King Island and uh, he went away at year eight or nine. And um, yeah, and he really understands the need for the kids here to leave this bubble mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and go outside King Island and experience a big wild world, wide world and um, um, yeah, just uh, socialize with other people as well. And sometimes, you know, you think you're really good when you live in a small community, but then you go out into the world and you're like, oh, actually, yeah. I wasn't that great. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't that good. You know, yeah, a bit of a reality, reality check. check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's the reason why we'd like them to go out, yeah, out of the island. And as a rural mum and this is obviously what this podcast is about, is about supporting rural mums. How important do you think it is for us to hear each other's stories, to share openly about motherhood and not just obviously the uh, the beautiful sunsets and Akubra shots that you often see and that's it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always, yeah, I, I mean, what are you doing that's great because I've always thought there was a need for it. And as I said at the beginning, I was really upset people weren't honest and open about it, but everyone seems to want to put on a tough face and and I actually I go on a bit about this question a lot because people will tell me they'll tell you on the street oh hi Anna how are you going you know everyone will say how is your day or how have you been you know but people don't really I mean they've been really nice but they don't really mean it because they're not really ready to sit down and talk to you about it so and I always say, well, if you ask, I'm, you know, you're going to have to listen to my day or my week. Uh, I don't know where I come from. We don't, re we're not polite. We're not polite people. We don't ask, please. And we, you know, we're just, you know, we're definitely not polite. We're straightforward people. And uh, if you're asking someone how they feel, you, you know, you're really asking someone how they feel. And, um, and I just noticed even with my husband, you know, if he's going through tough times and people will ask, oh, you know, how's everything been? Is everything okay? Oh, how was your day? And I had a crap day, but it's still, oh, it was great. Mm. It's like, well, it wasn't great. You know, like, so why do we have to tell everyone everything's always okay? Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know if this is a cultural thing that uh, uh, women in Australia aren't very good at sharing their bad experiences. Um yeah, so I think definitely needs to change because you, you're you not a, a freak um, if you're feeling bad about it, you know, being a mother or if you're going through tough times, you, you're not different from anyone else. Everyone goes through tough times. And uh, and actually just uh, at the moment of, um, you know, I, I know of a few, you know, girls have had kids and, um, and and they're just not reaching out for help because I think they just feel bad about it. Like, oh, well, I shouldn't be feeling, you know, like I've always thought I was really good and now I'm really struggling with it and they're not reaching out because that then they're going to come across as failing or not being so good, you know, which is completely not true. Um, so, yeah, we all need to share and, um, yeah, and um, help each other. And it's just so nice when you know that someone else has gone through the same. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story and being so open and honest. Um, yeah, I've just been talking to some incredible mums over the last week or so and we've got a lot more in common than we think despite you being on uh, an island and, you know, compared to a mum in WA or Queensland, we're worlds apart geographically. But 
yeah, it's really important to keep the conversation going, I think. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being so open and honest. I really appreciate it. No, thanks, Ted. Thanks for inviting me and uh, wishing you best of luck. And I'm looking forward to listening to all your podcasts. I will. I will listen to them. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow the podcast each week. And finally, if you're a rural mum or you know one with a great story, please shoot me a message via the Motherland Instagram or Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. Catch you next week.